Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it's time for Wolf Down Your Lunch. Aaron Maloney is here. Aaron? So the Phoenix Suns beat the Clippers last night 112-95 and a Clippers team that I believe was a title favorite. That's what I heard. Heading into the season. But how do you guys feel about the Suns as they sit at 2-1 and one through the first week of the season? I mean, we've seen a little bit more than... You know, the preseason, obviously, but... Or the playoffs I mean, three games, you can't really take too much away from three games, but through three games, what do you guys think about this team? I I think, you know, the the comeback against Dallas was such a weird win, but to do that almost feels like, in a weird way, it was like symbolic of putting last season behind you because you were down by so much against that same team. I'm impressed by going into L.A. and beating the Clippers as comfortably as they did because that is a good basketball team, and they're all healthy right now. And like you said, Wolf, Kawhi is not... Fully, he's not full strength Kawhi right now, but I don't think that's why the Suns won last night. Yeah, um, you know, honestly, uh, it looked like the Phoenix Suns. The two wins this season looked like the Phoenix Suns in terms of their defense and being able to create a lot of opportunities for themselves defensively against the Mavericks. To, to Luke's point, they shut it down in that second half. Um, suddenly, they got back into the game because of their defense. Period. I feel the same thing going forward here. It's the culture of the Phoenix Suns. It's part of who they are. And as long as they remember that, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Devin Booker is in form already this season. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com. And it asks, what type of season do you see Devin Booker having after three games? So your choices are MVP, MVP votes and first team All-NBA again, an All-NBA spot on second or third team, or All-Star selection, but a step down in his play. Second one. MVP votes, All-NBA first team. Is that what you said? Yeah. yeah. I'll go with that one. Yeah, that's I mean, what I would say as well. To win MVP, the Suns would have to have the best record again. I don't know if they're going to have the best record. Uh, and I just, it's... And the best record doesn't always matter. Yeah, it doesn't always matter. So I'll take, I'll go votes and first team All-NBA. He's averaging like 32 points a game. Yeah, you know, once again, um, just take last night's example. I, I, I would say the exact same answer, Luke. Uh, definitely uh, MVP votes and a possibility All-NBA first team. Just watching him, the way he started this game, 14 points in the first quarter. You know, hello, hello, here we go. You know what, this is a game, and we all know people are talking about the Clippers. Let's go out and let's seize control of this game in the first quarter. That's exactly what D-Book did. And then he also played well in the fourth. So 71% agree with you guys. They say MVP votes and first team All-NBA again. 15% say MVP. 10% say an All-NBA spot on second or third team. And only 4% say All-Star selection, but a step down in his play. So that is a good poll then, I would say, because... I don't think Devin Booker will take a step back yet. He doesn't look like somebody that is 
like mentally capable of taking a step back. He got a super max deal and looks angrier, which yeah. is good. I would agree. The Arizona Cardinals are gearing up to take on the Vikings this week. So when you guys look at the Vikings at five and one, where does your mind go? What do the Cardinals need to do in order to pick up that win? Uh, well, Justin Jefferson. You know what, what can Byron Murphy do against Justin, <laughs> Justin Jefferson? My, my honestly though, my first thought is Kirk Cousins. Is always beatable, so I don't. Minnesota, we could be in week fourteen, and the Vikings could be thirteen and zero. I would still think with Kirk Cousins, they are beatable. You know, the first thing I think of right now, just doing a little prep work on the Minnesota Vikings, is can the Arizona Cardinals get the ball out of the pocket quickly enough? to actually exploit the secondary for the Minnesota Vikings because they are struggling and have been struggling mightily. Especially now with D-Hop back in a full week of practice. Um, I'd love to see the offense really kick into high gear here and go out and play well against the Minnesota Vikings. Get Kyler Murray into a bit of a rhythm. Can they do that? Can they protect Kyler before that pass rush of the Minnesota Vikings gets home? This year's World Series matchup is set as the Houston Astros will face the Philadelphia Phillies. Yay. What do you guys think about this year's this year's World Series matchup? Man, um, I thought it was going to be Padres Yankees. And I would have much I rather loved, seen that. I would have loved that. I would have loved that. You know what? Honestly, just the whole everything with Aaron Judge and what happened. And the you know, Yankees, he's officially a free agent right now. And the. Really? Well, okay, whenever great. free agency starts, but yeah, he's that's not great. technically Thank a Yankee. Right I was going to say, really? right now? Right now. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the Yankees and the magical season that was experienced by them, and the Padres, the same thing, and now all of a sudden... Um, that was my prediction, by the way. I thought it was a magical year and it was going to be magic. No, it's dead. There's no magic. It's the antithesis of that. I honestly, if you took the 12 teams that made the playoffs, this is the least interesting World Series to me. Even the Dodgers being in there would have been interesting because I would have been clearly pulling for the other team. I don't care who wins now. Yeah. Philadelphia, I guess. I don't think they have a chance. Yeah, I was going to say, who do you guys think? Houston. Houston hasn't lost a game. Yeah, I know. That's... <laughs> It's really hard to say he's lonely. I'm going to go Houston, too. It, yeah. it, I will be, it'll be compelling if we get into like a Game 6 or a Game 7, because that Philly fan base is insane. But until I see them actually... They have an undefeated football team, and they have a team in the World Series. Yeah, what, what more do they need? Just they got a good the basketball Sixers team. To go off. Their hockey team's no good. And then the... <laughs> so take that, Philly. <laughs> Seriously, right now, that fan base... Is maybe the most violent fan base on the face of the planet. I'm just saying they definitely are definitely North America. I got hit with a D battery in the tunnel there. I think I've told just you just one. I just boom right off the helmet. D so battery. Can you confirm that a D battery hurts more than the dog treats from the dog pound? Oh no, yeah, definitely. Ding right off the top of your helmet. <laughs> that hurt. That was before the game. Yeah, the dog, the dog biscuit. That was nothing. Except guys were picking the dog bone out of their ear in the shower. That All because was pretty of cool you. After it. And probably not real happy with you. Yeah, it was a biscuit. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron, as always. Uh, join Kona Big Wave this Sunday for a Red Sea Road rally as the Cardinals take on the Vikings. Enjoy great prizes, ticket giveaways, and food specials all game long this Sunday at Phillies off Priest Drive in Tempe. We come back to Suns. Got a good win against the title favorite last night. So how did they seize control of the game against the Clippers? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
Phoenix Suns, 2-1 and one on the season. They'll get Golden State tomorrow. Nice uh, nice way to ease into the season, don't you think, Wolf? You get, you get the Mavericks in the first game. How about it? Portland, uh, the Clippers, and the Warriors. <laughs> you might as well jump right into it, right? Marco Wilson style. I mean, Jump yeah. in and do a backflip. Here it is, man. Honestly, the wild, wild west. And it's going to be wild. This is what it's going to be all year. Um, but, you know, Golden State will be... It'll, it's almost going to feel weird to get a look at Golden State this early in the season. But the Suns get the win last Last night, 112-95. to They really controlled the game from start to finish against uh, the L.A. Clippers in L.A. Very impressive victory. We're going to get into that in a second. But I, I want to bring this up just because I, it's, it's hard to not notice it, Wolf. Chris Paul this season has 23 total points. Devin Booker had that by the third quarter last night. Yeah. But we make it. It's, it's three games. But I... I can't, and he's impacting games positively in other ways. He's had 32 assists in the first three. Yes. It's not, this is not Chris Paul from right. the end of the Dallas series. Right. But as far as scoring, this is kind of Chris Paul from the end of the Dallas series. He's not even really taking a lot of shots. And that's the thing right now that I noticed through the first three games of the season. Um, he's taking about half of the shots he traditionally does. And you have to be, you have to think that's probably by design, right? This is something that they're talking about right now, trying to get some other guys going. Maybe that's what it is Maybe right it is. there. Maybe it's D.A. and making sure that D.A. gets his touches. You know, Devin Booker, obviously, of course, Devin Booker's going to get his touches. But maybe it's some of these other guys, Cam Johnson, getting him involved. You know, Mikel Bridges as well. I don't, I don't know what to say about it, but to me... Typically, these things don't happen by accident. Yeah, it's just, I'm not saying it's like a huge deal. I'm just pointing it out because it's a guy that is a career, like 47 plus percent field goal shooter, which is not always easy from, from that position on the floor. And he's shooting 32% this year, but, it, but that, he's uh, attempted half the shots. That, that's for the, the most thing. Part. I, I don't, it, the 32% is like, okay, I can write that off as it's three games. Who cares? Like he's just starting the season in a shooting slump. But it's what you're saying. He's not really shooting, he's passing up shots. He was passing up a few shots. Last night, that were very obvious. Now it doesn't matter. They beat the. It doesn't matter now. At least they beat the Clippers last night, and Chris Paul in that game did go over eleven thousand career assists. Not this. You know, not not just in that game. Although he had quite a few. He's got thirty two. Like I said, in the first three games, but eleven thousand career. He talked about that afterwards. Yeah, I didn't. I honestly didn't have a clue to check out the game. Um, Man, it's been a lot of firsts here, you know what I mean, at the Staples Center World, crypto, and you know what I mean, so anytime I can do that with my family here, you know, my brother, my dad sitting on the court, my son, my daughter, my wife, my mama, everybody here, so it's always dope. Number three all time now. Wolf behind only Jason Kidd. So Chris Paul's got 11,009. Jason Man. Kidd had 12,091, and John Stockton had 15,806. How do you get 15,000 assists? Stockton just crazy right there. On it's, it's cool, man. Uh, especially the career that you've had when you think of Chris Paul, and can you imagine how rewarding this has got to be at this point in his career? Um, yeah, that's kind of a cool thing right there, but I'm sure he'd trade a lot of that in for 
a championship. And I'm sure Stockton would, too. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course. You know, it's also going back to our conversation in regard to Chris Ball and the fact that he's not taking as many shots as he did last year. And I realize it's through three games that we're talking about here. But to me, um, could it possibly, when we talk about it being by design, could it possibly be a situation where you don't want to be so dependent on Chris Paul going into this postseason? You don't want to be so dependent on having Chris Paul score the basketball. You don't want to be so dependent on Chris Paul winning games in the fourth quarter the way that they were last season. All the, all the way that. into the playoffs. All oh the way into the New Orleans series. They don't beat New Orleans without Chris Paul saving them a couple times. Exactly right. Maybe it's a situation where you know he's getting older and it's a situation where how many times does he get hurt in the playoffs in the postseason knowing it's kind of a second season. Um, maybe you don't want, you want to try it. Maybe Chris Paul's on board with this as well saying, yeah, we got to come up with something else so we're, we're not so dependent on me having to go out and win a game. It does, and I can't pinpoint what it is, Wolf, but it does feel like, and we'll see how this plays out, but it does sort of feel like this team is taking a different approach after the way last season ended. And I'm not even just saying the first three games, just their general attitude. Just Monty Williams sitting Chris Paul at the end of, of the game against Dallas because it gave him the best chance to win, and they won. Uh, just him not talking to D.A. for whatever that was. You can't tell me that it wasn't intentional. He didn't forget D.A. was on the team. Right. It's fine now. I, I totally buy that. But I'm just saying it was a little bit of a different approach. This, at with Chris Paul specifically, does look a little different offensively. It might just be three games. But if they are, if they are trying to approach this season as all we care about, about is the playoffs. Let's make sure we're one of the top six teams, ideally top four, so you get home court. And, you know, ideally top two or three. Yeah. Um, but we get better as the season goes. I'm 100% on board with that because last year, as much as I admired the let's win every game that's in front of us, that doesn't traditionally work out for you in right. the playoffs unless you are like the 96 Bulls. So maybe you're going into this and you're sitting around, you're talking to James Jones, or you're Monty Williams, and you're talking to James Jones and you're like, how do we, what are we doing? What? Where, where do we need to be different? Um, our dependence on Chris Paul and the postseason and the injuries that he has sustained um, routinely, it seems, and Cam Johnson we got to depend more on Cam Johnson. We got to get Cam Johnson going. We got to get Mikael Bridges involved. We got to get DeAndre Ayton involved. Maybe, I, I don't know. I just know that when a guy's taking. 50% fewer shots in a game. It seems like this is by scheme. Well, especially it seems the like this is by design. It, when you watch these games, it's like, oh, there's a shot for Chris. He just passed it up. He passed totally. up an open shot for yes, somebody else. Exactly. They had nine players score at least seven points in the game last night, and the two lowest of those nine were Mikel Bridges and Chris Paul. I mean, you had you did get some, you got you got scoring from the bench. Torrey Craig had eight, Jock Landale had nine, Campaign had ten, Shamit had eight, and then obviously Booker 
Shakur at 35, 8, and 13, and Cam Johnson 11. So they did spread it out more last night. Maybe, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but maybe also they are trying to to get the bench going, get some depth established, because they don't have as much established depth going into this season yeah. as they did a year ago. I, I honestly, um, I think I'm the one who's reading too much into it, because this is this is the way that I've been feeling watching him play. It was just from the very beginning. You sat Chris Paul down in crunch time the very first game of the season against the, Dallas, against the Dallas Mavericks. Really? You're going to take this guy who was clutch, who was the best clutch player, one of the best clutch players in the history of the NBA, when you look at his career, at least in clutch, suddenly you're going to sit him down in the very first game of the season against the Dallas Mavericks of all teams? What You're going to tell me that wasn't by design? There was something there. There had to be. We all know how competitive Chris Paul is. I don't think that's a secret and how difficult it is to get him to sit at the end of a game. We saw it last year. I do, though, wonder if if they ever came to Chris Paul, if they went to Chris Paul and said, hey, look, man, you're a Hall of Famer. You're still one of our best two players. But uh, we may need to sit you towards the end of some of these games. We may need to load manage or whatever this year. If you had said that to him two years ago, he wouldn't have signed here. If you had said that to him last year, he would have laughed in your face or he would have gotten angry. We saw it last year. If you were ever going to be able to get Chris Paul to try something new and maybe dial it back a little bit in October right. for the benefit of, of success in May and June, yes. this would be the year. This would be it. As much as we all like Chris Paul, realistically, how many more legitimate shots at the NBA title does he have? I believe he has one. I believe he has a truly legitimate shot at the NBA title this year. Next year, who knows? Who knows? He may, he may have two. At most, he has two. So if you're going to do something, do it now. Yes. Try it now. See if it works. Seems like, to me, not a bad plan. As long as you're still winning games against Dallas and the Clippers, you can try some stuff early this season. It's it's if you're coming out of the gate and you're two and five, then you kinda gotta just find a way to grind out wins. But right now they're two and one. And they could be three and oh if Damian Lillard hadn't said stuff to DA. Text us your thoughts to the Vandal text line at six twenty, six twenty right now. We come back, the Cardinals are three and four, and that doesn't look so bad after the weekend the NFC just had. We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Okay, let's be fair here, Wolf. It is the Wolf and Luke Show from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center out here on Big Red Monday. Cliff Kingsbury will join us in a little over an hour, as he does every Monday during the NFL season. Uh, let's be fair. Three and four is three and four. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that it's somehow six and one. Right. But uh, you ever have a class in college where it's like, you, you, it's not... Basically, you're being graded on the curve, right? So when you look around in those classes, those are my favorites because I was like, wow, I don't know if I know this topic. And they're like, we'll be grading on the curve. And I'd look around and be like, well, I can do better than that guy. <laughs> so that's all that matters, right? That's basically what the NFC is this year. I don't know what you're talking about, Luke. <laughs> you don't have to be a 13-4 and four team in the NFC this year. You don't have to be 11-6. and six. <laughs> You may not even have to win 10 games to make the playoffs in the NFC. And certainly the NFC West is, uh, is sort of symbolic of the rest of the conference 
I watched a lot of football yesterday, Wolf, and I get that the Eagles and the Bills and the Rams and the Vikings were off, and those are four of your better teams. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Rams, I don't know. But uh, there's not a whole lot of impressive teams around the NFC in particular right now. No, the NFC is wide open right now, and we all understand this. We all know it. It's not just that there are four teams that have five or six wins. It's not just the the number of teams. It's who those teams are as well. And there are seven teams that have three wins in the NFC. Seven teams, man. That seems like a lot of teams that are still in this thing right now because nobody's truly running away with it. I think you could look at the 6-0 and Philadelphia Eagles, of course, and say, hey, listen, they're undefeated. They're probably going to make the playoffs. They're really, really good. There's no doubt. I, I don't see a lot of weaknesses with them. I saw it on tape. I watched them offensively, defensively, and in transition as well. They have a lot of football players on the offensive side of the ball that are getting it done. And even on the defense side of the ball, but they do have an Achilles heel to me. It's their rush defense in particular. If you run right at them, that seems to give them problems from time to time, but they're no easy beat. There's no way about it. They're they're good, and you can see it on tape. Then you got the Giants. <laughs> the Giants are 6-1. and one. Are you telling me they're 6-1? This team, I watched a good chunk of that game yesterday, and, and we're to the point now where I've, I've finally wised up, Wolf. I was like, okay, well, they're going to come back and win this game somehow. And they did. They just, they never look like, they never look like that team where it's like, oh, I don't want to play the Giants. We're going to get blown out. Right. Every one of their wins is by like four points yes. or less. Yes. And that, you know, that it says an awful lot about them. It does. But they keep winning. It's it, That's what I mean. It says a lot about them. That is, that is good that you can win these close games. It says, hey, listen, this is who we are. Yeah, we're not going to blow you out. We're not a bunch of front runners. Yeah, we could be down and we can come back and we can beat you. We can win games when it matters most in the fourth quarter. We're going to play close games because that's who we are. We're not a team that's going to blow anyone out. We're going to run the ball. Isn't that right, Daniel Jones? We're going to run the ball. And Saquon Barkley is just right now, he's the comeback player of the year, is he not? In the NFL. Yeah, what a race that is. is. So I saw, I saw the odds for this over the weekend, and I believe... I believe Saquon was favored. I got to double check that. They had Brian Robinson third on the list, sure. and he's not technically eligible to win comeback player of the year because he wasn't in the league last year. He's a rookie. But even if you set him aside for a second, Saquon and Geno Smith, that's got to be the, the craziest, one of the craziest comeback player of the year yes. races that I can remember at least. Listen, if Geno Smith continues to play like he's playing right now, he's going to win it. Can I just tell yeah, you his that rating right now? was over 100 again he's yesterday. Going, he's going to win it. Um, he plays quarterback, yeah. and it's Geno Smith, and yeah. he's going to win it. But but anyways, I don't think that's going to happen. So, so you think Saquon? So I think Saquon Barkley is a guy who, yeah, he's got that kind of talent. I'm not trying to attack Geno in any way, shape, or form. It's West Virginia. It's West. Okay, um, I'm not trying to attack him, Luke. How many West Virginia I, players are there? I, I just want to say that, you know, um, 
if in fact things go well and he plays like this the rest of the season, he'll win it. But I don't think that really is going to be the case. We'll have to wait and see. But then you get to the Cowboys at 5-2 and two, and the Vikings at 5-1 and one, and they have their problems as well. Now I know that hey, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are out there and Wolf, you know, you can't forget about Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I get that. You might be able to. You might I, be able to fit a, forget about Brady or uh, Rogers rather. Brady's going to make the playoffs. I'm not sure Rogers. See, is. you know what? I feel just the opposite on that one. I do. I, I don't know why, but I, I feel like Brady's going to miss the playoffs. I think Brady's playing worse than Rogers. He just happens to be in a division where three and I mean Tampa's technically still in first place. Uh, I know today at three and four. I know, but I think the Atlanta Falcons are better than what they've shown right now. That's just me. And by the end of the you year, I could right. be wrong on that. Look, Tampa. Has scored like twenty points in the last two games, so I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say they're locked to do anything. They have scored in their last two games uh, three against Carolina, three points against Carolina, and eighteen against the Steelers. Yes, the point is the NFC is wide open, and it's wide open because of how bad the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers are playing. They're not executing well right now. They are not, including Aaron Rodgers, including Tom Brady. They are not playing as well as we've seen those two quarterbacks play. That is a little disconcerting right now. Seven weeks into the season. You know, if it was three weeks, even four weeks into the season, okay, I can understand that. But seven weeks into the season right now, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, they they haven't been um, as good as they have been in the past. Let's Tom, put it that way. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers lost to P.J. Walker and Taylor Heineke yesterday. And Brady in his Stop last two it. games, in his last two games, Brady's lost to P.J. Walker and then like the duo of Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. And Wolf, I'll even go one step further, if they don't call that trash roughing the passer call on Grady Jarrett in week five, they may lose to Atlanta too. See. And then they would be two and five and Atlanta would be four and three and I would be buying what you're selling. See, and that's what I'm saying though. There is something there when you watch him play. You can see it. It's just something's in the way for Tom Brady. They're almost unwatchable. In the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa. Honestly, they're almost unwatchable. Now, for well, context... One of the things they're doing, they're not, they're not running the ball. They're not attacking the line of scrimmage the way that Tom Brady needs you to attack yeah. the line of scrimmage, in my opinion. Pretty at, good this back point, at this point in his career, as old as he is, Tom Brady, they need the rushing attack. They need that for him to have play action. What this all means to the Arizona Cardinals, if you want context right now, as we sit here today, the Cardinals 3-4. and four. Okay. Uh, I, would, I would almost put the Rams in that same category as the Buccaneers and the Packers of like, what is going on with this team? The Rams are 3 and 3 have not been impressive at all. Yeah. At, at this moment, they are the seventh playoff team. Now I know, it's like, oh, if you make the playoffs in the middle of October, that's fine. But I'm just saying, the cutoff right now, the Cardinals are half game out of a playoff spot with, with everything that has gone wrong. Would, if you're an optimist for the Cardinals, you would say the worst part of the season should be behind them. Correct. Because there were times where it was pretty ugly the first six weeks. They're half game out of a playoff spot. And as soon as I say that, I think of the offensive line. I'm sorry, the, the brittle I offensive line. I know, you're killing me. Right. Well, we'll blame Paul because he also brought it up when he came in. Uh, all right, when we come back, ASU's got a winnable game this weekend. Do they have a quarterback? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Man. 
Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The game that you were looking for on Saturday, if you are a Sun Devil fan, Wolf, ASU. Okay, they go with Emory Jones instead of Trenton Bourget. Okay, all right, here we go. You're going to go with Emory Jones. All right, we, more on that in a second. Emory Jones started the game really well for ASU. Looked fantastic. Stanford. He did. ASU gets 14 points in the first half. All right, you'd like a little bit more. Stanford's not good. Stanford hadn't won a conference game yet. And then ASU just never scored again. And Stanford beat them without even scoring a touchdown. So did you think to yourself, when are you going to put in Trenton Borgay? Are you going to do that? Are you, were yeah. you thinking that? Yes, I was. Coach Aguano, are yes. you going to do that at some point? I was actually kind of wondering that going into the game. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying the decision to go with Emory Jones was wrong, but I, I think it's interesting now because uh, Aguano today said there's no true starter right now. That's his quote today. Going into a game against Colorado, by the way, that Colorado is probably worse than Stanford. So I, Colorado has a win, and I don't know how. You should be able to beat Colorado, but you kind of need to get this whole quarterback thing squared yeah. away if you want to win a football game. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And to Trenton Borgay's credit, once again, he has created this based on how he has played. Yeah. He created this issue right now. I think this is something that, again, um, welcome to the new world of college football, Basinonians. Welcome to the NIL and what may happen with an NIL. I believe uh, Emory Jones, was he not $75,000 was the agreement in the NIL? $75,000 plus a new car from an auto dealership? That could be right. As well. Um, you know, this is a situation maybe is it something as simple as we're not going to pay this guy and then bench him? Is that honestly? Is that something that's coming down? And this is this is the kind of junk we have to deal with now in this new brave world of the NIL and the NCAA in well, college football. There's there's the additional factor too. If you're Sean Iguana, like play this out for a second, okay? ASU loses to Eastern Michigan. Why am I bringing that up again? Uh, so they make the switch to Iguana. Okay, so he goes out there against Utah, and they get handled by Utah. Next game, I thought they actually played USC. Decent for yeah. how good, how talented USC yeah. is, and, and how ASU right now their roster is just it's been shredded by all the investigation stuff and transfers or whatever. Then you go out there in your next game and you beat Washington, a highly ranked team. You beat Washington, yep. and Trenton Borgay is the main catalyst for it. Then you get a bye week. So if you were going to make a change, this is the time to do it. And then you're going into Stanford and Colorado games, the two easiest games on your schedule, I would say. Maybe U of A, but that's yeah. never easy. Right. Um, so unless you're beating them by 70. So if you are if you were going to make the change... <laughs> you just had to I, drop well, that I, I in there, right? Put that of little yeah, qualifier in there. Um, if you were going to make the change as Sean Aguano, that was the time to do it. But I, I'm a little surprised, not so much by going with Emory Jones, I'm surprised by the hesitation to switch in the second half when any points would have won you the game. Because Sean Aguano, his only chance in my mind to to stick around and get this job was basically to win out after the Washington yeah. game. All all pretty right. winnable games except maybe UCLA. But you're you're 
the front part of your schedule was the hard part. So for him to get this job, it was like I would if I were in his spot, I'd have been like, whatever it takes to win out after this Washington game. Maybe it's not doable. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't take that that approach. See, I went in and I'm wondering if the NIL had anything to do with it. But I why does he care? If he's been told that because, because Luke, these are things that people care about. People that walk around in jackets and a tie. That's not they, us. I, no, I'm I'm just saying right now. Um, maybe that was a situation. Not only that, too, from an athletic perspective, can I tell you, Emory Jones, I didn't think played awful in this game. No, I'm not, I'm not trying to um, pin this it, loss on him. No, I, I don't think he did. And to your point, he started really well in the game, in particular, and the defense was was out there. And um, yeah, I thought they did their job. The opportunity to win this game was there, and it tells me the coaches believe in Emory Jones. They believe that he was the starter. And you're going to give the starter every opportunity to finish a game, and rightfully so, especially when you're paying him $75,000 and giving him a new automobile, especially when you're doing You're going to give him every opportunity to go out there and prove he can't bring you back. And I thought they did that. And that's why it's interesting to see what will they do from this point forward. This is Iguano after the game. They asked if he ever thought of benching Jones for Borgay. I, I didn't because I didn't think uh, Emory was playing uh, bad. So I, I didn't. Um, uh, I try not to never second-guess myself uh, in those decisions. You know, uh, That's what uh, the outside world and the external world will, will always do, especially if you didn't get that win. But um, I told my guys that uh, I'm going to make the best decision, I think, for them to win the football game. And uh, we came up short, so I guess I'll, t- I'll, I'll take the game for all of that. They almost came back. They had that Elijah Badger catch. <laughs> this is how messed up it is, Wolf. Elijah Badger had a really good game. Yes. And I had four different people text me, where will he transfer to next year? That's college football. That's it it. And first of all, if he's going to transfer, he should have to transfer to Wisconsin because his last name is Badger. That legally, <laughs> you should have to do that. But that's, that or is college LSU. football. Or Okay, okay. Just, just, just for that. for the honey badger. Just, yeah, no, that was, that's fair. That was needless, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's college football. That's what it is now. Hey, somebody on our team that's struggling made a good play. He'll be gone next year. Yeah, you know, at first it was. I was like, come on, man, let's let's see Borgay. Give him the opportunity. And then I was like, well. Let's see, does he deserve that? Because I don't think Emory Jones is really playing that poorly. That was number one. And if, in fact, you believe this is your starter going forward and you made that determine you had the bye week, yeah. if ever there was an opportunity you, you to say, decided. we're going to open this up over the bye and see which quarterback actually practices better, and then we're going to make our... That was not the case, obviously. So why not give your starter the opportunity to rally the troops all the way through the fourth quarter and win a game. If if this were a normal circumstance, and I don't even want to use Herm as, an, as a normal example because it, it wasn't going to be normal no matter what this season with everything going on, but let's just say this were two years from now. And there's and two years from now, you figure the NCAA might even get around to interviewing some of these people in this investigation. So let's say five years from now, when there's not an investigation hanging over the program, and you have your coach. like This is your guy. He's going to be your coach this year and next year. Then I, I understand it a little bit 
more of, no, this is our quarterback. We're sticking with him. He wasn't that bad. It wasn't like it was his fault they lost. I'm just surprised where if I'm Sean Aguano, I'm probably not the head coach next year unless I do something crazy, which is beat Washington, which they did, and then win out. If you beat Washington and win out, then... You know, if yeah. if I'm Sean Aguano, I'm like, hey, good luck finding somebody new to come in here and do what I just did. So I would have thought it was like anything it takes. Like Emory Jones is on the shortest of leashes because of what Borgay did against Washington. And if we're not scoring in the third quarter, we're giving a look to Borgay anyway in the fourth quarter because yeah. it's college football. You can rotate quarterbacks. Right. And maybe it's a situation where Emory Jones wasn't on that short leash the it way that you think like it. That, that he was. And I, I kind of understand it. Even from the athletic perspective, once again, if in fact the staff is like this guy, this guy is better. We believe this guy is better. He gives us the best chance to win. Now, give him the opportunity to go out and win a game, and it was still a winnable game right down to the very end of it. So, um, I understand that if you think this guy gives you a better chance of winning going forward, why wouldn't you give him every opportunity to go out and prove you wrong? And I think that's what they did. What do you think Aguano has to do to get the job at this point? Because he's one in three since he took over. Now, yeah. to be fair, that Utah and USC were two of those games. They were those were easy to write off and say, with this roster, you're not sure. beating Utah or USC. Right. Stanford's a game you should win. Stanford's not good. See, and that's why I said to you earlier, I said, you know what, I think the rest of the way for Sean Aguano, I think it is more about who they lose to than who they beat. Well, And losing to Stanford is bad. Yeah, Stanford's bad. Colorado, I would say, is worse. U of A, I would say U of A is better than Stanford and Colorado this year. Um, and then the other teams you have on the schedule, UCLA is obviously good. Washington State and Oregon State, which, you know, they're just kind of middling Pac-12 teams. That's not anything special there. Again, I, I think for for him to 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 jump ahead of everybody in line and and keep this job I think you had to beat Stanford, and I think you probably had to win, what, f- at least four of these final five games. One of them has to be U of A. Now you've lost to Stanford. I don't know. I think you have to win out if you're Sean Aguano at this point. Uh, we shall see when we come back. How would you feel about making a trade with the Milwaukee Bucks? It could happen for the Suns. That's next on the Wolf and Luke Show, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.